Today I'm sitting down with Anthony Mathenia to discuss the universal message of the church and effective ministry within the church. It may not make headlines, but the kingdom of God is advancing today. Here on Timothy Talks, we're sitting down with church leaders and thinkers, learning more about the church today, the mission of the church, and effective ministry within the church. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Timothy Talks podcast for the first episode of 2020. Now, the episode is going to be a little different today because today I'm going to sit down and have a discussion with Anthony Mathenia. Anthony Mathenia is a pastor in Radford, Virginia, and he's more commonly known as Paul Washer's pastor. So this is a great opportunity. I was looking forward to this and had a really wonderful talk with Anthony. Now, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, I do have to give you a little bit of a heads up. There's going to be some changes coming to Timothy Talks podcast. And the first change is that rather than having a once a week format, I'm going to a twice a month format. So the podcast is going to come out on the first and third Mondays of every month. So if you tune in next week, there won't be any content, but the shows may sometimes be a little longer. I'm also going to be going to a format where I sit down and talk with church leaders and um, church thinkers as we as I think through effective ministry within the church. So I really hope that you'll join me. I hope this is a great resource for you. Um, whether you are involved in church leadership or not, this will still help you to be acquainted with the work of the local church, which is such a important and paramount ministry today, the work of the local church. So thank you so much for joining, um, and I hope that you enjoy this podcast today. When we get into the podcast here, this was actually recorded a couple weeks ago, so just bear that in mind, and I hope you'll learn a lot and enjoy the show. I am here in North Carolina with Anthony Mathenia, so welcome, Anthony. Thanks. It's good to be here with you. It's great to have you. So I've been really interested to ask you some questions. I know you're involved in a lot of outreach things. So you're the pastor of Christ Church in Radford, Virginia, which is just a few hours from where we are right now. And then um, you've worked with HeartCry. You're currently working with HeartCry Missionary. Yes, I serve on the board of HeartCry Missionary Society. Okay, which for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with that, that's a great organization. Um, And then you also did missions in Ethiopia. I did. I lived in Ethiopia for the better part of two years, 2005 to 2007, and I've made several trips back and forth over the years, beginning in the year 2000, which is the year after after I was converted, up until the most recent trip was last year. I was in Ethiopia briefly. Okay, great. And have you been other places mission-wise, long-term or short-term? You've done some things? I haven't been anywhere else long-term, but I've been a number of places uh, short-term, primarily through uh, the Ministry of Heart Cry. So the places in the world where HeartCry is working in over 40 countries, 250 missionaries, uh, gives me the opportunity to go to those places and okay. uh, sit with those men, learn from them, come alongside, figure out how we can better serve them as they serve the church in the place where um, they're serving the Lord. Great. Let's see. In addition to that, you um, I know some of your sermons are on I'll Be Honest, which is another ministry that I'm really excited about. Um, and then you also have a ministry for abortion outreach. Can yes. you tell us a bit about um, that? Our church began reaching out at the abortion clinics on a very regular basis this past year. And uh, 
the opportunity to purchase a property immediately next door to the Planned Parenthood in the next town over, Roanoke, Virginia, um, came up. And so we took advantage of that. In fact, we'll close on that property uh, this coming Thursday on Halloween, uh, on the 31st. Uh, we will close on that property. The ministry will then own it outright. Our hope is to put uh, a pro-life women's clinic there mm-hmm. um, immediately next door to the Planned Parenthood so that we can offer um, the medical services that are needed uh, by the ladies who are coming but not provide abortions. Okay. Wow. So it's as I was hearing about some of the different things that you're doing and just learning about that, it was, I was just amazed at all of the different things that you're involved in. And I'm curious, it seems like a lot of, and I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but it seems like there's a lot of people who are in ministry who are, maybe they're pastoring a church or they're doing this or they're doing that, which are good things. And in no way do I want to say that's not valuable for the kingdom, but I'm just amazed at how many different things you're involved in and um, also the sort of outreach-oriented nature of a lot of those things. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I have the privilege of being a part of a lot of these things. I am in a in some sort of leadership capacity in a number of them. However, uh, I'm not doing them alone. I'm surrounded mm-hmm. by um, lots of good men and women uh, who are eager to serve the Lord and who are chomping at the bit for opportunities you know, to reach mm-hmm. out, to evangelize, and to serve the community that we live in and the world that we live in. So it, it, it by no means has a whole lot to do with me at all, but it's where the Lord's placed me, given me a lot of opportunities, and surrounded me by great people. What would you say is some of the um, maybe theological underpinning for you, though, that motivates you to be involved in all these different things? Yeah, I think primarily that, that Christ deserves the reward of his suffering. He mm-hmm. deserves to be glorified by every person uh, that he has created, every person that's on the planet, um, large or small, rich or poor. And he's called us, given us the great privilege as his people to reach out with the good news of proclaiming the glad tidings of Jesus to those that were around. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he's privileged us with that, he's commanded us to do that. um, Obedience to him results in blessings and him drawing near and close communion with him. So we seek to honor him and obey him out of love to him. You know, he's our captain. He rescued us. How would we not then respond by seeking to honor him with the things he's asked us to do? Yep. And so along with that then, so you've got this, it sounds like a really high Christology (laughs) to put it one way, Mm -hmm. just thinking through all of the, all of who Jesus is and everything that Jesus has done for us and everything that Jesus deserves. But, um, a lot of these ministries are, so for example, like the abortion one, that sounds like a ministry that your church is a lot involved with. Is that correct? Yes, or? it is primarily a ministry of our church. Of the church. Okay. So we did start, it, the ministry is called Better Than Life from Psalm 63. Okay. Three, your loving kindness is better than life. So the idea is we're more than pro-life. We're pro-God and pro-His gospel. Mm. Life is good. It's better than the, de- than the death that's happening at the abortion clinic. But there's something even better than that, and it's eternal life. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a ministry of the local church. Everyone on the board of Better Than Life right now is a member at my church. 
Uh, I would love to diversify that into other like-minded churches throughout the area in time, but right now it's the ministry that God's given us, and so we are seeking to steward it well. Okay. So how did you, um, with all of this involvement in your church, um, and I don't, I've never been to your church, so I don't really know what the dynamics are like there, but um, how do you help people to better understand that sense of who Jesus is and his worth and then do it in such a way that it actually results in passion for ministry? Because I know it seems like high theology is so important, but sometimes you, you're in a church and it's like there's great theology here, but that doesn't always translate over to being outreach-minded. Yeah, I don't know that there's a magic trick, so to speak. Okay. Um, I think uh, the preaching that happens at our church from me and the other elders. Uh, I have three co-elders, and you know the preaching tends to be Christ-focused, uh, gospel-rich, um, expository in fashion. Not always, you know, a series, but typically a series um, through a book of the Bible. Uh, and God has determined to use that. I mean, that's. I think oftentimes we tend to rely on other means rather than just relying on His preached gospel and its sufficiency. I mean, with the Better Than Life ministry, the abortion clinic ministry, you would think that a lot of time and planning and things like that went into it. But at the end of the day, I found out early on a Wednesday morning that this property was available and called a brief 10-minute meeting after our evening service on Wednesday and said, this looks like a feasible opportunity for us. Are you all interested? Hmm. And it was an overwhelming, yeah, absolutely. Overwhelming to the degree that thousands of dollars came in over the next couple of days as the beginning of kind of the promise of, yes, we're going to commit to doing this as a church. So, I mean, it was just laying the opportunity before people who desire to serve the Lord and they jumped at the, at the chance. Mm -hmm. So why do you think it is that there's some churches that are maybe doing all the right things, as it were? And still not seem to have that. Well, passion. I think it, it's easy to look at a task like that and for it to seem more daunting than it has to be. Hmm. Um, and if people have tried things like that before, it's easy to get discouraged in a ministry like this. There can be some long days on a sidewalk in a hot sun um, with minimal positive response. There's always response, but it's typically very negative <laughs> and with the abortion clinic. Um, so it's easy for people to get discouraged and, you know, for the desire to just peter out over time and it's hard to stick to it. Uh, but just continuing to do it, the consistency of doing what God's called us to do and reaching out. If the leadership leads the way in those things, it goes a long way. Um, but with that said, there are a number of ministries that are happening very consistently uh, in our church that I'm not necessarily a part of. I have been a part of many of them in the past, but they there's a, enough momentum there that it continues going on without my hands in it, messing it up and getting in the way or doing it all or you know trying to tell everybody how to do it. I'm not micromanaging the ministry sure. by any stretch. And I don't think any of the people at the church would say that I'm micromanaging. Um, my hand is in it at some level. Um, but most of the time it's from the back row, just offering oversight and counsel, you know, as needed. 
So are these, like what would some of these different ministries be? Yeah, we have the opportunity to reach out on the first Saturday of each month at a juvenile detention center. So we've done that for several years. So there's a group of um, guys and ladies who will go there every uh, Saturday evening, the first Saturday of the month, uh, take a half hour to preach the gospel and then a half hour sitting with the the inmates, the juvenile delinquents that are there, talking with them you know, about their life and how the gospel applies to it, and seeking to encourage them. Uh, there's one Saturday a month uh, where a local church feeds the homeless. We actually go in and kind of take over the kitchen and do all the cooking and preparation and then sit with those folks that are coming to eat and, and share with them, evangelizing them, seeking to help them and come alongside. There are two college campuses in our immediate area, and uh, we have staff members with Campus Outreach who are members of our church six total, three on each campus. Uh, so the opportunities to reach out on campus, there are Bible studies happening all the time on campus. We have people going on campus once, twice, sometimes three times a week just to evangelize, uh, just to try to make contact and do what we might call cold evangelism, uh, meeting people on the sidewalks uh, in the student union and attempting to share the gospel. So a bluegrass meeting every Friday night in the next county over, and pretty much every Friday night, there are people from the church there um, because there's a large gathering of people. They're there doing a measure of street preaching, uh, reaching out, evangelizing, passing out tracts. Mm. So lots of different opportunities like this. Uh, there's an assisted care home very near to our church and two Sunday mornings uh, a month at 9 a.m. We have people there uh, leading in a few songs and someone there sharing a gospel message. And that's happening twice a month. So just a number of opportunities that God has given us. We try to take advantage of them. Uh, he's called us to be heralders of the good news. And every opportunity we have, we want to be faithful in doing that. So um, were a lot of these ministries ones that you or others on the leadership team had observed and then recommended people get involved with? Or was this more the, the rest of the church itself, just seeing them and then coming Talking with you guys about it, or how yeah, did they? A little start? bit of both. Okay. Um, some of them have been. So the abortion clinic, for example, uh, was initiated by the leadership, uh, but the assisted care home, the detention center ministries, the uh, at the bluegrass um, meeting, uh, those are all just members coming and saying, "Here's an opportunity. Should we take advantage of it?" So, okay. I don't know that I've ever said no. We should not take advantage of preaching the gospel there. <laughs> yep. Cast with a wide net and yes. <laughs> hopefully get many fish. Right. Um, that's great. So um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on parachurch ministries? And I know there's lots of parachurch ministries that I like, um, but I, where I'm at right now, I'm also seeing like it's also important that a ministry in some sense have a connection in the local church, even if it's not per se, done by the local church. But I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that because you've got Heart Cry Missionary, which is, you're involved in that, which is sort of a parachurch, but um, obviously it's still grounded in the local church and the people on the board, I assume, are all involved in the local church. So I don't know, just any thoughts that you have on yes, things like that. Every ministry should be grounded in a local church. Uh, unfortunately, in our day, parachurch often means anti-church. 
And so that's the important thing for so-called parachurch ministries is to be sure that you're not working against the church, which is what I mean by anti-church. Uh, they often are uh, attempting to be the church, to undermine or usurp what's going on. I don't know that it's intentional, but that ends up being what happens. So HeartCry is, has a board of directors. Um, legally, they're required to have that. Uh, I am on the board, but I'm also an elder at the church. Um, so HeartCry is a ministry underneath um, the church and the church leadership there at Christ Church Radford. Mm -hmm. uh, Better Than Life, also required to have a board of directors. Two of our four elders are on the board of directors. Two of our four deacons are on the board of directors. So it's very much the leadership of the church. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the 501c3 establishment of a parachurch or faith-based ministry is, is, re, is required and important from a financial standpoint to keep it separate uh, from to have a, a safe firewall with regard to finances uh, between the immediate local church ministry, say Heart Cry, Better Than Life, these different ministries. Uh, but they are very much where we are. They're very much a part of the local church and okay. directed and guided, overseen by the local church. And that's the way parachurch ministries ought to function. Mm -hmm. What would you say, and you mentioned that these organizations can be, if they're not careful, sort of anti-church. Um, what are some of the signs that you see that would just be concerning about a ministry um, that might make you think that it's maybe not being as helpful? Or I'm just thinking as we, because there's so many opportunities for Christians today to get involved in different things or to give their money to different things. Um, yeah, I think it's important to consider what the doctrinal distinctives are of the parachurch ministry. There are a lot of people attempting to do good things uh, for God who don't really have a notion of who he is or what he says in his word about himself, what he expects of his people. I think that's important. I think it's also crucial to take a step back and look and see, okay, are they ministering to people that are then being basically funneled into? Are they serving as conduit, getting people's lives altered to the degree that they're in the local church? rather than seeking to build their own ministry, uh, that ministry, that parachurch organization, is not the institution that Christ shed his blood for. Mm. That's the church. So if the parachurch ministry is just making money or doing good things, and it's not leading to an increase in the kingdom, then it's not God-honoring. Um, if all their meetings are on the Lord's Day, and it's constantly pulling people out of fellowshipping together, it's not of God. It's not pleasing to him. So is the parachurch ministry ultimately coming alongside and helping the church, promoting Christ and his bride? I think that's the simple end-all question. Is this ministry promoting Jesus and promoting the church? I've been thinking a lot about that recently with just as I've been studying ecclesiology and recognizing that essential aspect of the church. Um, and then, like I said, it's just such a huge thing in our day with parachurch organizations. Um, okay, so I'm going to turn the conversation a little bit. We've been focused more on outreach and how that interacts with the local church and what, what can be done for that. So 
But I'm also curious about some of your thoughts on multicultural ministry in terms of being here in the United States, um, obviously involved with a wide variety of different types of people in the United States. Um, if you're at an abortion clinic, for example, you're dealing with people who are obviously very different worldview and perspective. Um, you're also dealing with people who are in the church who have hopefully a more biblical worldview and being over in Ethiopia and then any trips that you take with heart cries. So what are some of the themes that you see that are helpful for ministry wherever a person is in the world that would sort of be applicable anywhere? And then a follow-up to that would be what are some of the things you think are maybe distinctly American or, I don't know, I'll just give that as an open question for you to take where you want. Yeah, I am completely convinced that the renewed emphasis on multiculturalism in modern-day Western evangelicalism is no good Mm. and detrimental. What is applicable for the Caucasian male in America is applicable for the guy who lives in the Amazon jungle and the guy who grew up in sub-Saharan Africa and the little boy living on the street in India Mm. and the little girl that grew up in Siberia because it's the gospel and God made us all. And we don't have different spiritual needs. We all have the same spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. So we all have the same spiritual solution. When we attempt to kind of slice and dice ourselves up into all these microcosms or different groups and subsets of those groups, then all the focus is on man rather than on Christ, who's the great uniter of mankind. Mm. So we want to see the commonality that we have with all men, women, boys, and girls, primarily or initially in Adam. We have commonality with humans, and our goal is to seek to find commonality with them in Christ. And if we approach it because... They're a different gender or a different nationality or background or religious preference or anything like that, then that ends up becoming the main thing rather than Christ becoming the main thing. And he is sufficient to save all. Mm. I do. I appreciate that because we do live in such a divided age. And now it's no longer just Americans versus others, but even within our culture so much. Yeah. And it's primarily in our culture. I mean, uh, the issues of race and class segregation exist all over the world for sure, but we're the largest proponents of it as Mm -hmm. Americans. Mm -hmm. Some of it is because our pride is simply through the roof with our individualistic mentality of, you know, we're Americans, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And which I suppose would be why it's so essential to go back to Christ in preaching because that will yes. lower our own self-esteem. Yes, we, we begin to lower all the other flags that we have mistakenly been waving as things that are important to us. And it's not that they're not important. It does matter. God is sovereign over those things. So it's not that they don't matter. But they pale in comparison to Christ and who he is and our identity in him. Hmm. If our identity is found in where we were born the color of our skin, the gender 
that we are, it's problematic. Our identity as Christians must be in Jesus Christ. And we're satisfied. He's enough. All the other things do matter. He's sovereign over them. God is. He's made us that way. But we are primarily in Christ. That's our identity. You're hitting on one of my favorite biblical themes, (laughs) which is union with Christ. Yeah. And um, as I was studying that recently, just recognizing all of the different things that flow out of that justification, sanctification, et cetera. So anyways, I'm just getting excited hearing you talk about that. Um, So with the emphasis then on the oneness in Christ that we have and the fact that there's one message that's sufficient for everyone. How would, would you say that there is a, and maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't to some extent, but um, would you say that there's a place for learning about say the worldview of Ethiopians when you go to Ethiopia or like to what extent do you think that that's important? Sure. Yeah. I, I think it is good to understand the people that you're ministering to mm-hmm but you don't minister to them differently in light of that. Mm-hmm. What about um, one of the things that's talked about a lot in missiology circles is um, you have the um, guilt, shame, and fear, three sort of separate paradigms of saying we in the West are focused on guilt versus rightness. I, I don't have the, that's not the right word, but that and then in some cultures it's shame honor um and some people i think definitely some people are going so far overboard on this that almost the problem is no longer sin as an issue with god but it's just the shame that comes from sin but what do you think that there's any value or how much value in thinking through a gospel presentation in light of minimal things like minimal value i think missiologists are about the worst thing that have happened to missions (laughs) do you want to expand (laughs) Well, we, we've removed the idea of, of church from mm-hmm. missions. Um, Christ came to establish his church, not missions, but his church. The goal of missions is the church. And we have these new biblical offices of things like missionary and church planter. And it's nice and convenient because there are no biblical obligations for those offices because they aren't really offices. The, the offices are elder and deacon. So specifically elder, pastor, that's what ministers ought to be, shepherding people. And feeding the flock of God is the requirement of the scriptures. So we don't need cultural understanding to the degree that it's promoted we simply need to know what the Bible says. Enough about the culture to apply it, but that's not difficult. You learn that very quickly. Just natural curiosity, paying attention to what's going on around you. We don't have to be great students of culture. We learn it just by being a part of it. Hmm. And we're prone to adapt to it, unfortunately, rather than constantly mortifying that aspect and conforming to Christ, which is what we're called to. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit, though, more about your ministry in Ethiopia. What, what did that involve? What were you doing? Where were you in the country? I was in Addis Ababa in the capital city, and I was simply teaching, okay. teaching and preaching. So preaching in 
uh, different churches, sometimes a series of messages in one church, and training pastors within one of the denominations there, a Baptist denomination. I was training pastors and those who hope to be pastors, uh, doing systematic theology, modular style systematic theology. Okay. Was that through HeartCry or was that a different... No, it was before I knew a lot about HeartCry and before I had moved to um, live in the same town where HeartCry was located. Hmm. So one of the things that I'm interested in, and I'm, I say I'm a generalist rather than a specialist because even though I'm in seminary right now, I'm not. Um, like there's a lot of students who are, I'm going to be a preacher and all their effort is going into becoming the best preacher that they can, which could be a good preacher, definitely. But uh, I see myself more as a generalist. So I'm like, I don't know exactly what ministry is going to look like for me. So I'm in trying to be ready on every different front. But one of the things that's interesting to me, and I don't know if I'll end up there, but one of the things that's interesting to me, though, is training pastors and maybe doing that overseas, maybe, maybe not. Um, so what sort of advice would you give to someone like me who sees that as a possibility or someone who is even more convinced that that's what they're Yeah, I think to? I would encourage you to, re, to carefully evaluate what God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. And look at the specific callings in the scriptures. Training pastors is not a bad idea. However, pastors are best trained in the context of a local church. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so the, the way to train pastors would be to pastor. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really not another way. In fact, I think that's a better way than even being a seminary professor by far. Again, we're back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? And this is Paul telling Timothy, teach, train men who will be able to teach others. Mm-hmm. That's how the training of the ministry works. Mm-hmm. So were you holding, um, besides the preaching and pastoring work that you were doing that was training, were you doing extra sessions outside of that, specifically designed for pastors, or was it sort of yes, be a part I, of this church? Or I was within okay. the denomination, so the 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 ministers who are part of that denomination and the men in those denominations or in those churches who desired to be in the ministry were coming to special meetings, like two weeks worth of systematic theology, for example. So. Okay. So I have a missionary friend in Peru who does a lot of training pastors in different contexts. Actually, he does it in the jungle. He does it in the mountains all over. And he was telling me that um, theological education in the world is sort of like a pyramid and Americans are at like the very tip top of the pyramid. Um, so that as a result, you have a lot of pastors in second and third world countries who are, um, their understanding of the Bible may be at the level of like a high schooler here in the United States. It, would you say that that was similar to your experience or would you disagree with that? I think that that is true for the most part. Okay. I don't think that it has to be true. I think too many missionaries and seminarians have bought into that, assuming that that's the best that they can do, rather than going and really investing in them Mm. and living alongside them and bringing them on Mm. further in, in their understanding and ability. 
Yeah. And how would you say, when you say bought into that, um, are you just meaning that in the sense of like, we just assume that of the rest of the world that it's like that? Yes, and we're just content we're with that? Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I pick up a theme <laughs> in your, I, I pick up maybe this is a theme of the maybe um, indi- American individualism is not as important as we think it is. You know, it's not important at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you were doing that ministry there in Ethiopia. What called you back from that? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you not in Ethiopia anymore? What was involved? Yeah, it's in- probably best. I'll start by saying I'm not confident that it was a calling back. Okay. As much as a series of divine circumstances that made it clear that I needed to be back home. Most easily summarized as my wife was killed in a car wreck. Had a, we had a six-month-old and a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. So it made the most sense for me to be home in the United States around church family and family that could help through that process of me healing and the kids having people to take care of them. Um, as I continued ministering and stuff, but it made almost no sense at all for me to think about being on the field during that time. Mm. Um, and it made more sense to be a full-time dad in the context of home and church family than it did on the foreign field. Mm. Did you, when you came back, did you, how quickly after that did you get involved in Christ's church? I had, been, a, I had been sent out from Christchurch, New Albany, Mississippi, okay. as a missionary. Okay. So when I came back, I was back in Christchurch, New Albany, Mississippi, where John Snyder is the pastor. Okay. So I was an elder there before I moved to Virginia, where I live now, hmm. which was in October of 2010. So nine years ago this month is when I moved to Virginia. I moved there to take the ministry that I had begun in Ethiopia and give it to HeartCry because I trusted what HeartCry was doing around the world. So I gave the ministry to them. The plan was to be there a very short time, allow them to take over the ministry in Ethiopia, and then I would move on to whatever God had for me. There were a handful of options throughout the world uh, that were on the table for me at that time. But God had other plans and you know, nine years in and I'm still there. Yep. So, yeah, well, I didn't go there to pastor. Um, I thought I would help with heart cry specifically with my work in Ethiopia and throughout Africa. I was good friends at that time already with Conrad and Bayway. So it only made mm-hmm. sense that, you know, working with Africa and with him through heart cry. And as they overtook the Ethiopia work, it, you know, it, it seemed like a perfect fit. And, and some aspects of that did happen but not in the way that I expected, you know, to the degree where now I'm serving as pastor of the church there and, and on the board with heart cry. Okay. So, but I wouldn't write it up any other way. I, I'm incredibly happy. Uh, when I describe it, I often say I went there to be there six months or a year and I got stuck and I'm still there, but it's a really, really good stuck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best kind yeah. that there is. Well, um, I just want to ask you maybe as a final question, everyone who is listening to this, hopefully is encouraged like me by thinking about um, missions and outreach and the importance of the local church and doing it as having a Christ-centered gospel. Um, 
So obviously all those things are reasons why I'm a big fan of Heartcry. Um, is there anything else you would say about Heartcry to someone who's maybe not as familiar with it as to what they do or just to acquaint them a little bit more with that ministry? Yeah, Heartcry is a missionary society that exists to allow churches and individuals in America to be faithful to the Great Commission by supporting men who are proclaiming Christ around the world, 250 missionaries, over 40 countries, with a specific target of those in the 1040 window and those who have not heard the gospel. There's a a stronger emphasis there, uh, though we minister in lots of different places. Um, And HeartCry exists to come alongside these men um, who are ministering and provide resources and training, whatever we can do to help them better serve the church and the Lord in their specific countries and communities. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening, who are not as familiar with that, definitely go check out HeartCry. Um, I think it's a phenomenal organization. And then um, I would also say um, one of those websites that I mentioned at the beginning, I'llBeHonest.com, I-L-L-B-E-Honest.com. Um, you can hear some of Anthony Mathenia's preaching on there. And do you have your sermons on your um, church website as yes, well? Yes, the church okay. website. And all of them are at Sermon Audio as well. Okay. Yeah. So um, if you want to hear some more, uh, just go and check out those things. I'm sure you'll be greatly encouraged with that. So I've really enjoyed the discussion. Thank you yeah. for helping Thanks me for to think me. through um, some of these things about how to do outreach well, how to do it in a Christ centered way. So with that, we're going to conclude, but um, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening in on the Timothy Talks as I'm learning, and hopefully it's also a great learning opportunity for those of you who are out there as well. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next time. I'm thrilled that you've tuned in to Timothy Talks. The podcast comes out every first and third Monday of the month, so if you've not already, please subscribe. That way, you'll never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, it would mean so much if you shared it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening, and God bless.